0: episode of disease, death and doctors, a storytelling podcast that discusses the non-chronological history of medicine because going in order sucks. Today in part 1 of our inaugural episode, we're going to hit the ground running with a cliff notes-esque synopsis of mankind's relationship with disease, and then if that goes well, parlay the conversation into part 2 of episode 1, a discussion of the black death, the most devastating pandemic in history. Because who doesn't want to spend their free time talking about another pandemic? After looking at our pre-production notes, we quickly realized that there was way too much content to squeeze into one episode. and We don't want to give any of our Virgin listeners PTSD after what would have been a 50-minute marathon intro to the show. So, you're welcome. With that out of the way, let's take a look at the lifestyle changes and circumstances that turned humans into the Airbnb superhost for bacteria and viruses that we are today. Before we get this Mensa meeting started, I should say, since we at Diseases, Death, and Doctors believe honesty is the best policy, that while we are board-certified physicians, we are not going to use our real names during the recording of this podcast. Primarily, because we do not want to embarrass our families and bring shame upon our households, but also because we want our linguistic provocations and opinions to be unrestrained by the constricts of professionalism traditionally associated with medical doctrine. And neither of us are good enough at using editing software to cover up the occasional unfiltered, opinionated word salad of ignorance that may be expressed during the recording of this show. So, now that the seatbelts are off and our opinions are no longer covered by the thick, hairy Merkin of professionalism, please allow us to introduce ourselves.
1: Hello, everybody. My name is Dr. John, and I'll be uh, your co host for this exciting journey.
0: My my comrade, Dr. John, has created his own name already. I have decided to use a porn star generator to see what name I should use for the duration of the show.
1: Already glad that we're not using our real names.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, there is, let's see, using the namenerds.com porn star name generator, the first option I was given was Rod Manhammer, but I'm going to skip that one.
1: <laughs> Dr. Manhammer.
0: Let's see. All right. This sounds good. I'm gonna go with Doctor Guy Atlas.
1: Doctor Guy, all right. Doctor John and Doctor right. Guy.
0: Doctor John, Doctor Guy. All right. So well,
1: I'm glad we got that out of the way. And um, I know. <laughs> yeah, we need to be uh, we need to be unfettered. We need to be able to say what we uh, what we need to say here. People need to hear the truth. And um, I will say that we are both uh, board certified uh, physicians. So, Doctor Guy, take it away.
0: All right, Dr. John, now that we're driving with our seatbelts unbuckled, um, let's get started. So, I think the best way to start with this is to take a look at the evolution of the relationship between man and disease. And by man, I also mean woman as well. Um, Human? So, yes. There we have <laughs> the, <laughs> the umbrella race. generalized term of man. Um, so, let's get started. So, we started off as Hunters and gatherers. Um, As hunters and gatherers, we were pretty poor viral vectors overall, um, just secondary to the fact that we were constantly moving. There were limited numbers. Our risk of exposure was limited in the absence of any domesticated animals. And with the mobile lifestyle, um, we needed to limit the number of offspring we had. And this provided unintentional population control. Um, As things progressed and the agricultural revolution began – Um, with farming came disease. Uh, We learned to domesticate wild grasses such as wheat, rye, barley, and rice. And uh, we domesticated animals as well. Um, Just an FYI, dogs were likely the first domesticated animal. Pretty worthless creature to domesticate in my opinion, but um, they are friendly and lift your spirits when you're down. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) that happened about 12 Thousand years ago, um, and then came cattle, sheep,s goats, pigs, horses, and an animal I like to call fowl.
1: What about the cat? Uh,
0: they're still not domesticated, man. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> they they are very much their own creatures.
1: And you could say but, uh, that um, once we uh, moved from the hunter gatherer phase of our existence to more of a agrarian lifestyle, we went from being small roving bands um, to kind of centralized domesticated humans, um, which in and of itself was a much better situation for disease to live and spread.
0: Now, I very much agree. And we'll touch on that here coming up. Um, so, you know, pretty much with farming like marriage, um, equal settling. And so That's once the mobile you're life
1: another did <laughs> not <laughs> everybody's significant <other> settled. <laughs> I'm very I'm
0: very fortunate she settled upon me. Um, once the mobile lifestyle um, and the need to cover large distances uh, was abandoned offspring no longer needed to be limited, and our numbers grew, kind of as you said. Um, and with the agricultural revolution, humans inadvertently cultivated disease just the same as we cultivated our crops. Um, we had pathogens from domesticated animals uh, that would familiarize themselves with their new abundant host, the humans, animals, and humans alike would then continue or contaminate the land the water, uh, and their way with their waste, providing opportunities for parasitic worms, organisms, and attracting disease spreading insects. And just a fun fact for you, uh, Dr. John, humans share about 65 diseases with dogs, 50 diseases with cattle. Think of the pox viruses, 46 with sheep, 42 with pigs, 35 with horses, 26 with poultry influenzas, and those numbers will continue to increase over time.
1: Uh-huh. Um, that is interesting. You really rattled off those statistics like you just had them in the back of your head.
0: I, I recite them every morning when I brush my teeth. <laughs> I want to stay sharp. You never know what a patient's gonna ask me. Yep, it comes um, up every day. Every day. Um so, but this sharing, I should say, did not occur overnight. Um, this occurred through evolution. And over time, pathogens acquired intermediate hosts that acted as staging areas for their proliferation. Uh, and eventually, they would find their waste, infect their human host, uh, increasing their, the pathogens, evolutionary success and survival. Um, and eventually, with some of these diseases, once they um, <clears throat> efficiently uh, found the human hosts uh, and made that jump, they were able to spread between humans like measles and smallpox, and no longer required an intermediate host to go between. So uh, with human and animal dwellings providing unintentional shelters for rodents, um, and as well as the close proximity with domesticated animal herds and flocks, this allowed the robust proliferation uh, of uh disease carrying vectors such as mosquitoes, mites, fleas, lice, and other parasitic organisms uh such as hookworms and schistosomia or the blood fluke to proliferate. And we then really just
1: set ourselves up for this, didn't we?
0: Uh, it's pretty much our fault. Yeah. Um we we deserve this. We deserve this. <laughs> you deserve this. <laughs> I yeah, feel like so, some more than others. <laughs> yes. Um and then came cities. Um boo and it, Well, you live in a much bigger city than me, man, so you better embrace this.
1: Just from a disease perspective. Yeah,
0: this is true. This is true. But yeah, essentially with the development of cities, individuals were basically free to focus their attention on activities other than farming and food production, at least some of them. Um, They could engage in governing and religion and trade and arts and philosophy, scientific speculation, experimentation podcast recording. Um, <laughs> and cities also offered protection from outside parties such as animals um, and that allowed them also to address natural disasters um, in a communal fashion rather than By themselves, but all was not rainbows and butterflies. And uh, the fact is, until only recently, cities were essentially a public health nightmare. Um, Generally, they were so unhealthy that their citizens actually could not replace themselves or maintain their populations with reproduction alone. Uh, Their numbers were only kept stable or grew as a result of migration from the surrounding countryside. And with urbanization led to overcrowding as well as the accumulation of waste in the absence of sanitation, turning cities into giant incubators of disease.
1: Ooh, more disease. It's everywhere, man.
0: Mm -hmm. Wash those dirty little fingers.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, You haven't even gotten to uh, the development of modern hygiene yet. So (laughs) they were uh, really asking for it hundreds of years ago.
0: Um, So... With the formation of cities, abandonment of hunter-gatherer lifestyles, um, our close relationship to one another was paralleled by our close relationship with disease and illness. And as the sick began to impact the general productivity and the well-being of groups, uh, individuals began to look for ways to relieve that suffering and restore communal good. Um, And this is the birth of the modern-day physician, or at least an ancient equivalent. And so I think this kind of leads us into a look at ancient medicine Um, and I think the first thing that I would note is that early humans did not regard, um, death and disease as natural phenomena. Uh, things as simple as colds and constipation were just considered part of one's everyday existence Um, so they were often overlooked and just dealt with as a fact of life but severe illness disabling disease and death however were viewed very differently Um, these were assumed to be supernatural phenomena perhaps an individual had offended a god or a witch or maybe their symptoms were the result of uh, visitation by a a malevolent demon
1: oh yeah what do you think about that that commonly yeah we have not cured that one yet
0: no, they're still coming. And uh, magic and religion were the foundation of prehistoric medicine and early human society. So the first doctors were basically uh, sorcerers, uh, medicine men whose charms, talismans, um, incantations, and rituals uh, were the cutting edge of medical treatment at the time. And cure was sometimes achieved. Uh, but secondary to the absolute uh, belief in the effectiveness of that treatment by both the healer and the patient. And so essentially you had kind of a, a prehistoric placebo effect occurring um, that kind of facilitated the continued practice of or the success of these early healers.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, before, uh, before Osler and modern medicine, we really, as uh, physicians and providers, were just uh, given a good old dose of placebo support um and for the most part our our treatments until 100 years ago did more harm than good we uh we really didn't start being helpful until 100 plus years ago i'd say aside from placebo and emotional support there were people helpful before that <laughs> uh, yeah they learned to you know, treat you know. scurvy with limes <laughs> yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure about that but you know they would treat you with gold or arsenic <laughs> and give you heavy metal poisoning <laughs>
0: Well, as long as you have a different thing to worry about, you stop focusing on the problem at hand. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to skip ahead and we're just going to land on early Greece and just say that there were some random but poor medical advancements kind of between early early civilization and then uh, the, the golden age of the ancient life and antiquity. Um, but essentially about 460-ish BC, um, that's when man started to reject some of the concepts of magic and religion, um, although this was still a very small minority. Um, but this is also the time that Hippocrates was said to have been born. Um, he's known, obviously, as the the father, the godfather of medicine by some. And uh, historians still disagree whether or not this was one man or if there were several um, that basically published under his name. Um, and irregard- or regardless, Hippocrates was credited with leading the transition from the study of the supernatural phenomenon as the origin of disease to encouraging early doctors and healers to look at a physical cause of illness. Uh, In fact, he actually wrote in regards to epilepsy, which was then called the sacred disease, that it is not any more sacred than other diseases, but as a natural cause or has a natural cause. And it is supposed and its supposed divine origin is due to the human inexperience Every disease has its own nature and arises from external causes. So... He was obviously a, a ahead of his time, um, and his Hippocrates and his teachings would essentially be the seed of thought that would eventually lead to advancements in scientific understanding that support medicine today. Uh, but these advancements in understanding would be very slow to come and uh, often a process of trial and error, uh, exposure and survival, and oftentimes chance rather than experimental success. And in terms of pandemics and disease outbreaks of a significant scale, Hippocrates and his disciples offered only the following advice during the early plagues of antiquity. Um, my Latin is pretty poor, um, so so if I butcher this, apologies. But don't, uh, don't
1: butcher the hip hop hippopotamuses saying. Right.
0: <laughs> so quote, Cito longa tarde," unquote, which translates into "Leave quickly." Go far away and come back very slowly.
1: <laughs>
0: Wise, <laughs> so coronavirus. Like some, of the, uh, <laughs> some
1: of the people you used to date gave you that advice. <laughs> I know. It's early, I was actually the the first social distancer with yeah. my many relationships. Is. Yeah, exactly.
0: But with that said, let's just delve into the story of the Black Death, the most devastating pandemic in human history.
1: Well, yeah, that was a wonderful history of uh, you know. How we got to uh, where we're at um, with the Black Plague. So, thank you for walking through us, walking us through that, Doctor Guy. No problem, Doctor John. (laughs) I feel pretty satisfied with things so
0: far. Um, So, so get your popcorn ready. Let's uh, let's see what the uh, the Black Plague's history has to offer us. And that's how we'll start part two of episode one. Cliffhanger. Spoiler alert, a lot of people are going to die.